Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, once again, everybody. This is Dan Avone out in San Francisco, joined like always with my podcast partner and the NFL agent, Mr. Matty Marino, as we welcome you in once again to another edition of Give Them the Sports Biz. Matt, what's going on, my man? What's up, Dan? We're, uh, we got some, some live baseball tonight on TV, actually, right? Regular it's season, o- man. opening night, believe it or not. Major League Baseball is actually – somebody's actually resuming a season, and, of course, the NBA is not far behind. But I want to start here and focus on what is really sort of your area of expertise, and that, of course, is the NFL. Yeah. Training camp is due to reopen or open rather for the first time this year in two days coming up on Saturday when Houston and Kansas City are expected to open up their respective camps. And then the rest of the NFL will start next Tuesday. First of all, do you think that's going to happen? And if not, what are some of the major hangups? Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you have you have rookies that, um, you know, I've already reported the training camp, um, obviously. Um, in some situations, Texans and, uh, and the uh, Chiefs, they're on a little bit of a different schedule with uh, playing the opener um, earlier than everybody else. Um, a lot of teams, what they try to do is, is get, uh, you know, players within to their respective um, areas as well. Um, you know, so for instance, New England Patriots have some players within that area, but, um, you know, the, the two sides, the NFL Players Association and the, uh, the owners, um, they're still been going back and forth all week. Um, they've been talking about, you know, what concessions have to be made. You know, certainly there's some economic ones. There are, you know, the health and safety concerns um, that we've talked about before, um, the amount of testing, um, uh, you know, players wanting that to happen uh, every day. Um, and then certainly, um, you know, what will, you know, kind of transpire, whether it's, you know, opt-out provisions um, or, uh, you know, further um economic relief in, in future years to both the Players Association um, and NFL ownership. What's the biggest economic hangup right now between the two sides? Um, so I think the biggest one, you know, really, it's a couple things. One, you know, the NFL and the NFL Players Association, they, they've agreed to knock it down from 90, uh, a, a maximum of 90 at training camp, 90 players to 80. So that's 300 and play, 320 players right there you know, leaving training camp, not getting an opportunity to make their team. Um, and while they're not on their contracts, not being paid their contracts, they are paid a per diem um, when they are in training camp. Uh, so, you know, a first year player, you know, he's still making, you know, about $1,100 a week, uh, you know, during training camp. Um, but really the, the major economic, you know, issue that's being knocked around is, you know, the owners, they don't have this force majeure clause in the CBA. Um, and what they're trying to do is, gain back some economic relief in the form of reduction of player salaries, possibly holding 30 to 35% of them in escrow for a year or two. Um, those are, you know, kind of the areas that they're looking to kick around. Um, and then certainly, you know, something else is that the owners, they want to take those hits in a two year period. Uh, you know, whether or not there's fans in the NFL this year, it'll be determined at a later date, but it, most likely there will not be fans. 
Um, you know, so that's, you know, no revenue of merchandise, tickets, parking, you know, all the things of that nature. Um, so that's a significant amount of revenue for NFL ownership, um, which affects the salary cap. And the owners want to take those hits in, in two years while the league, I mean, sorry, while the union wants to spread that out over a nine year period to give them, to give their players, uh, you know, some extra salary relief instead of just putting it on them in, in two years. Are the two sides far enough apart? I mean, are these issues big enough that we could see things push back, meaning that, of course, we're supposed to get things underway on Saturday in terms of training camp? Could that date be pushed back and or could we not see a potential NFL season or are they not that severe? Um, you know, I still think they are, far, you know, pretty far apart. Um, you know, the players feel that, look, you know what, this is a significant issue for them. They're not going to show up um, or – I shouldn't say they're not going to show up. Um, the the union is is not going to you know advise them to show up um, unless these issues have been worked out. So I think that is something that's significant. And, and yeah, I could see this being pushed back. Um, very similar to Major League Baseball, um, you know, just getting the wheels in motion. You know, obviously it took them a very long time. So I could certainly see that you know kind of you know duplicated in the NFL situation. While the two sides have their differences economically, they both seem to be on the same page in terms of the safety and the health of the players. Yeah. Could you give us some sort of detailed information in terms of the respective training camps and the facilities and how they've structured those towards the safety of the players when they, and if they return at some point? Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the big things is, is testing protocols, obviously. Um, you know, and that's been the biggest thing uh, for – you know, any league, um, you know, they want to test the, the players and they really fought for it that they wanted testing done every day. Um, so when they go in the training camp, they're going to be tested every day for the first two weeks. Um, and that's something that, you know, they really fought for the union fought with them. Um, so that's a big win for them. Um, not that it should be, I mean, that should be something that is just, you know, happening. Um, so I think that really is, um, you know, something that the union was pushing to do uh, the health and safety the biggest thing, you know, I'm coming from an agent's perspective is, you know, players, the league is really them, right? This is, you know, you watch the players, you watch the teams. Um, they haven't been given the opportunity to opt out, um, you know, except right now um, prior to the year starting. And the players want to be able to opt out throughout the course of the year, um, which honestly, I, you know, I think they should have that opportunity. If they're not feeling, if they're feeling comfortable in August and all of a sudden, you know, there's some, you know, hot spots popping up in parts of the country in September, October, November, um, and or their wife gets pregnant, or they have a, you know, a person at home um, that has a compromised immune system, um, players want to have that option to say, all right, look, I'm out uh, for the for the last five, six games. But they wouldn't be compensated according to the NFL, should they not play in those games? Right, exactly. And that's, you know, again, another economic issue that, you know, these two sides are trying to work through, um, you know, as, you know, this is a, what you would call kind of a secondary CBA negotiation almost. And it seems by reducing the number of players, while that certainly doesn't work well for someone like you and, and your clients, but getting it down to 80 makes things a little bit more doable in terms of creating that social distancing and restructuring sort of the showers and the logistics of where they're going to practice and how it is that they're going to be in meetings and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth in terms of going through certain entries and having guys just, I'm assuming 
that like if you're at a linebacker meeting, right, where there's typically like maybe 15 or 20 guys and maybe they'll just break that up and they'll do seven guys at a time. It'll be something like that. Yeah. And I think they're even going to go virtual too. Um, when you don't have to be in the building, um, you know, they're not going to force people to be in the building. Um, if, you know, the linebackers, like you just said, if the defense is at home in the hotel or wherever they are um, and the offense is you know, in there working out in the facility, um, the linebackers, corners, you know, DBs, you know, they'll be just doing, you know, meetings virtually. I think that's another little tweak that, that the NFL uh, teams are playing around with as well. There will be no preseason football games this year. What does that mean for a lot of your clients? It means it's going to be really tough. I mean, it's look, you're already on the outside looking in, you know, when you're trying to make a roster as an undrafted free agent, um, you know, normally in a traditional season, you're going 90 men on that roster and training camp, you know, you get one cut of players down to 75 after the third preseason game. Sometimes there's some transactions uh, throughout the preseason, but, you know, generally you're at 75 and you're going 75 to 53. Um, and then after the 53, you're adding 10 more players to this practice squad. Um, so, you know, if you're in two groups, if you're, you know, a veteran playing in the fourth game of the preseason, what is normally the fourth game, fourth game in the preseason, you know, you're on the hot seat there um, if you're playing in game four. Um, you know, clearly starters are resting at that point. You know, you're doing everything possible to impress a special teams coach, you know, cough up, you know, uh, cause a fumble, you know, cause a turnover on special teams, whatever it might be, return a kick or a punt for a touchdown. Um, you know, that's your role. Uh, make an extra tackle on special teams as a gunner. Um, so for players like this, you know, in and like I said before, you know, each of these players are getting they're normally getting a stipend. Um, it's nothing crazy. It's, you know, $1,100 a week, but it's, it's something to put in their pocket. Um, you feel like a professional, you feel like you're earning, you know, your money, um, before the season even starts. And then on top of that, you know, you might have some guys getting cut before they even get the opportunity to impress their, um, position coaches, their general managers that sign them, the, you know, their, their, um, the scouts that signed them after the draft as a free agent, and in certain cases, I mean, look, the Miami Dolphins, I think, had 13 or 14 draft picks. Um, they might have to cut a draft pick or two. Uh, if, they got, if they drafted a couple of guys in seventh round, they had three seventh round picks and only signed, you know, four or five guys after the draft. Um, you know, they might have to cut a draft pick or two. And then the, the even kind of crazier part on top of that is then, you know, then you have the financial ramifications of that. You know, does that draft pick get paid because, you know, or that free agent get paid because right now, they signed a contract. Um, they haven't received a signing bonus. And since they haven't taken a physical, that's the reason they haven't received a signing bonus. Um, so you keep seeing of all these players signing, coming to terms with, you know, this team or that team, the Broncos, the Browns, the Bengals, but they haven't actually gotten a signing bonus because they haven't passed the physical yet. We always talk about the percentages of just about each team in the NFL, their rosters being comprised of undrafted free agents or guys oh, that were yeah. drafted in the seventh or eighth or the late rounds. Over, over and it's a, yeah, it's a significant, significant amount. So what is that going to mean for the sport and or some of the respective teams as we look forward to the 2020 season? Well, I think it, not only the 2020 season, but I think it, it makes an impact going forward after the 2020 season, right? You know, sure. you're going to have, um, you know, guys that, you know, look, when you play, um, when you make a roster and you play three games, you know, get a credit season, you play six games, you get an accrued season, you know, that stuff is important for your benefits. Um, that's what that goes towards. Um, you know, that's, you know, it doesn't touch your salary, but it, it definitely touch your, touches your benefits. Um, anytime you can earn a, an accrued or credit season is important. Um, but not only that, it's just, it's just natural development. 
Um, and I think, you know, look, the first person, the first position you're always going to talk about is the quarterbacks, right? You know, quarterbacks have the, have the biggest learning curve. It's the steepest. You're learning a new book, a new language, basically. Um, and, you know, that's going to take some time. Um, clearly, you know, any team with a rookie quarterback this year is going to be at a disadvantage. If you have a rookie quarterback and a new head coach, that's even going to be a more disadvantage. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, look at the NFC East, just at, the, at them. You're talking about the Redskins, sorry, the Washington football team, the New York Giants, and the Dallas Cowboys, all with um, new head coaches. Um, and, the Red, and the Washington football team and the Giants both have second-year quarterbacks. Um, so right away, you're giving the Eagles such an advantage right there. Um, and that's just one division. Um, you, know, you can look at, you know, obviously where the rookies, you know, are going to compete for a starting job or possibly get a starting job. Uh, Tua down in Miami, Miami, you know, Joe Burrow in, um, in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't anticipate uh, love starting in Green Bay, um, you know, but anywhere where there's a rookie um, and a young head coach or, you know, a first or second year head coach, um, I think you're going to have a lot, a lot of bumps in the road, um, especially without an off season program. And clearly with, you know, this reduced training camp, which, you know, has no preseason games. You can't even kind of go through a mock, you know, preseason game of what this is going to look like. You can't, even, you know, just your travel, going to an away preseason game, having a home preseason game, you know, doing all the things that you normally do um, to get prepped for the for the regular season. Um, you're, you, it's, you know, it's out of habit. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to have that, that chance. You mentioned Joe Burrow. Think about this. His first his first pass in the NFL will most likely, well, it will be because he'll be the starting quarterback right for Cincinnati, will be in a regular season game when the bullets are flying for real. That's really something else. You know, I've heard some sentiment, and this is maybe gaining some momentum, but I hear from, you know, some coconuts who have podcasts or sports talk radio shows or TV opinionated shows and, and even some former coaches and players. Jimmy Johnson was talking about this this morning. And Jimmy Johnson, of course, the former Hall of Fame head coach with the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami yeah, Dolphins, yeah, yeah. and obviously what he was able to do at the University of Miami at the collegiate level. But there's this sort of growing sentiment that, hey, we don't need the preseason. Let's keep this going forward because the preseason is a waste of time. College football can do it without a preseason. Why do we have to go through these four games that NFL veterans just simply don't want to take part in to begin with? How would you respond to that? I mean, look, he, he, he does have a point, and I think it's something to think about, right? The veterans, you know, the difference is, is that, you know, if you're playing a college sport, you're playing a college, you're on a college football, at a college football program, you use Miami Hurricanes, you know, they got 96 on the roster. Those 96 are going to be on the roster. Um, and that's the difference. You're not going to training camp with 125 and cutting down to 96 at Miami. Um, you know, you're not, you know, taking scholarships away from people. You're taking, literally, you're taking jobs away from people. You know, I, I always talk about this with my friends that, um, you know, work in other industries, you know, think about starting a job, you know, whether it's at a law firm or, you know, at a financial institution, a bank, whatever it might be, come out of college and you're in this class of a hundred people. Um, and, you know, you guys are all, you know, becoming buddy, buddy for, for June and July. And then in August comes around and they're like, you know what, uh, we're going to take away uh, 60 jobs for no reason, just because we don't want them anymore. Um, and you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't, you know, you didn't, you know, make a wrong decision. We just, you know, we just can't do it anymore. We can't pay you guys anymore. Um, we're not allowed to. Um, 
you know, there's nothing, there's nothing else to it. Um, so I think, you know, you have to have some kind of competitive nature, you know, and it's not just for the rookies, it's for the veterans, you know, the, the guys they call cap casualties, the guys that are, you know, seven and eight years in the league and playing, you know, maybe above, you know, at that time above the veteran minimum, um, you know, so if, look, I understand what kind of the, the, the thought process, what Jimmy Johnson's saying, and I, and I completely agree, you, you don't have that, you know, that thing that happened with the NBA, you don't have that happen with Major League Baseball, um, the NHL. Um, you know, obviously you have, you know, minor league baseball, but, you know, you have your players, you can invite the training camp uh, to spring training and, you know, you kind of split them up from there. But, you know, the biggest thing is, is you know, you have a, a hard salary cap in the NFL. Um, and, and that is where it differentiates, it differentiates itself from the rest of the leagues in the United States and certainly college sports as well, too. Actually, I got to share a funny Jimmy Johnson story. <laughs> I, I know that he can be divisive, but he is sort of a character and he makes me yeah. giggle. And he was talking about today how he hated the preseason. He just wanted to get this thing started. And he was such a good evaluator of personnel. And in the fourth game, I don't remember what, oh, this is the year they won a Super Bowl. And they were playing in Tokyo in an exhibition game against Houston. And he wow. pulled all of his starters, like in the third quarter. And on the flight home, Jerry Jones didn't even talk to him. And then the following week, Jerry Jones, went, and they had an open dialogue. They were friends. And finally, Jimmy Johnson went into his office and said, you know, what's going on? Why, why, you know, what's with the cold shoulder? And Jerry Jones said, you didn't play any of the starters in that fourth preseason game. And you know what? Houston won that game, and we were playing in Tokyo. And as a result, they got this big doll. They got this huge doll. I wanted the big doll. Instead, they gave me this little doll. I wanted the big doll. And so Jimmy Johnson says, they go on to win the Super Bowl that year. And afterwards, while he's holding the Lombardi trophy, he says, Jerry Jones, don't you like that Lombardi trophy? Do you want me to go get you that big doll from Tokyo? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, but I, I guess what I wanted to ask you, just from a personal standpoint, does this, what sort of effect is this having on agents like yourself when you're seeing a reduction or you're seeing no preseason? Yeah. And then you're seeing a lot of guys who are on the back end of the draft or some of these undrafted free agents not having an opportunity at NFL careers. Huge effect. You know, you're talking about, you know, money that we've invested in players, um, you know, clearly whether it's been their training, um, uh, development, you know, uh, preparation for the combine, um, you know, and, that, and that's draft picks included. You know, we've had, you know, seventh rounders cut before um, it's going to be even harder for those guys to make rosters now. Um, you know, so it takes out, takes away from, from our bottom line, it takes away from our revenue. Um, not just, you know, look, we don't make money unless the players make money and that's the way it goes. Um, so, you know, you're operating in a very unknown. Um, and then even on top of that, you know, you're, you know, you're already going to camp with 10 less players, you know, so players are coming, you know, getting cut right off the bat. And then, you know, you don't even know how the college football season is going to look, this fall. So, you know, you're just very, you know, you're walking on eggshells almost, um, you know, do you recruit, you know, players in the same capacity? Um, you know, what's the NFL draft going to look like next spring if there, you know, is a reduced college football season or um, a spring season or, you know, a winter spring season. Um, so you're really, you know, trying to figure out and, and trying to stay ahead of the curve, but really um, like we've said, and like everyone has said, you know, the virus kind of is, is dictating the terms and, you know, the only thing that we can we can do is prepare our clients and say, look, you know what? Um, there's going to be positive tests. There's going to be a lot more injuries than there are in previous years because players aren't in shape. They haven't been at their facilities. There's going to be a lot of 
a lot more short straws uh, being drawn. And then also just a lot more short leashes, you know, players are going to get cut because they come in out of shape. They come in underweight. Um, they don't know the playbook. Um, you know, they aren't living up to expectations of what they saw uh, when they drafted a player or assigned them, you know, after the draft. So there's going to be a lot of transactions at the bottom of that roster. Um, you know, kind of that, you know, set will now be the 78, 79, 80th guy, just really that just churning over, um, you know, guys that can come in that are in shape, you know, maybe they can stick around and normally you would check them for, you know, they would say, look, let them stick around for a preseason game or two. You can't even do that this year. Um, so you're, you're really working off what you see in practice. And it's just unfortunate because I, look, there's, there's a lot of players out there. You know, you even use a guy like Victor Cruz, um, you know, Victor Cruz was, um, he wasn't even an under the free agent. He was a mini camp signing. So he had to go to the giants as a mini camp invitee, earn a contract, then get signed. Um, and then eventually, you know, um, I think it was in his second year, if I recall correctly, you know, make the, uh, you know, make the roster after being injured his first year. Um, so, you know, that's even a two-year process right there. And, and you might not even have players that can even take part in that two-year process, um, you know, like a player like Victor Cruz. Yeah, even a player like Dak Prescott, yeah. that he took full advantage of the preseason, right? I mean, with no preseason, sure. like Dak Prescott was with fourth round on the Mississippi State. Russell and he had Wilson. Tony Romo. I'm sorry? Russell Wilson, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, and these guys took full advantage of, I, no one had heard of Dak. I mean, people certainly at the collegiate level, but there was this noise of what he was doing in the preseason. And by the fourth game, he had turned everybody's head in Dallas. And so people that say, that that process of playing the four games, I get it. If you're a veteran, maybe you get some reps so that you're, you're, you get some of the rust off. But essentially, it's vetting not only the undrafted free agents, but a lot of those fringe guys, whether you yeah. need to see them play as to whether the, these are guys that could potentially work into the fold as far as what it is that you want to do going forward as a franchise. And also, I think, not as a player and not as an NFL agent, but just as a fan, I think the quality of play what we're going to see the first month of this football season is going to be reflective of not only the lack of training and no OTAs, but also of a preseason that was missed because I think it's going to sure. be ugly and I think it's going to be unwatchable football at times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think the first place that gets affected there is the offensive line. Um, you know, so you could have some, look, you know, not that you want to see this and the NFL doesn't want to see this. They don't want their star players being injured. Um, they don't want quarterbacks getting hurt, but you know, that's one of the areas of emphasis that will certainly come on very quickly in training camp is protecting the quarterback because no one wants their star quarterback getting hurt. You know, whether it's, you know, Mahomes making 500 million or, you know, a rookie coming in there, you know, like a Dak Prescott or a Russell Wilson, that's a third or fourth round pick. Um, you know, no one wants their quarterback, you know, their franchise getting injured um, because you can just, you know, at that point, just hang the season up for yourself. I was reading Peter King had an article and he was talking about how significant practice squads are going to be this year. And you talked about the guys at the end of the roster. Yeah. He feels that those guys are going to play, as you just mentioned, they're going to play significant roles this year because he sees this as, and I've heard this from other people that this season, if you were to ask somebody, Hey, who do you think is going to win the, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Who's going to get to the AFC championship, the NFC, who's going to, who's going to do well. And he said, it's just a battle of attrition. Whoever can manage the coronavirus, whoever can stay away from key players, not because they will, people will contract 
the yeah. virus and will have to be sidelined in quarantine. He says those teams that suffer the least amount of players or are most prepared to get through the virus and have, whether it's practice squads ready to go, because, I mean, if it's one linebacker, there's a good chance that the entire linebacking crew is going to be out. So right. having entire having entire staffs in terms of position players, not just one, but three or four ready to go. I mean, it's it, managing this year and trying to be competitive this year is unlike any other. And he felt that combating the virus when it means that you have to go deep into your roster and the practice squad, those teams that are prepared in that realm will do the best this year. Would you agree with that, Matt? hundred percent. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to find practice squad players that not only can contribute on special teams, which look, that happens every year. Um, you have injuries, you know, you have maybe 20 to 30 players ended up on IR each year, um, you know, from training camp, you know, on, not just the regular season. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to have practice squad players who can contribute at their national position, whether that's, you know, on offense or defense and not just special teams. Um, you're going to have to have a deep pool of roster players that are certainly capable of doing that. And, and like you see in, in most cases, um, you know, towards, you know, end of November and into December, um, towards the end of December too, um, you know, rookies that have to start playing like veterans, you know, rookies that, you know, are getting a lot of snaps early on in the season, you know, doesn't matter what position it is, you know, usually quarterback and, and wide receiver, the two, uh, two hardest ones to kind of turn over from college to, to pick up on um, because of the playbook. And you're going to have to have those players, um, you know, really playing veteran, veteran snaps. Hello. Sorry about that. <laughs> I think with that, that was the, that was the end of the fourth quarter. Who was that? What's the name of that guy? That's uh, that's my, that's the, that's the protector right there. I'll have to edit this out though. <laughs> who, no, that's a, who is that? What's his name? We can keep Rome. Yeah, Rome. Rome. All right. yep. Rome's saying wrap it up, fellas. I'm hungry. Yeah, man. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, that, we'll find out what happens this weekend. Obviously, whether we'll actually see teams and players and their facilities packed and getting ready for the upcoming campaign, starting again, of course, with Kansas City and Houston. We'll see whether they actually report or whether things get pushed back simply because, again, of the economic differences between both sides, that being the Players Association and, of course, the NFL owners. Yep. We will update you, of course, next week on everything that's happening in the NFL, everything that's happening in the world of sports as it relates to business. For Matty Marino out in New York, this is Dan Vone in San Francisco reminding you, like always, to give him the sports bids. So long, everybody. See you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.